0: And welcome to not just a sports report. Today it is time to jump into the preview and predictions for this weekend's UFC Vegas 58 card taking place in the Apex, UFC Apex in Las Vegas. Now this is going to be a really fun card. I'm coming off a great record last weekend head to head. I believe it was 10 head to head correct, one wrong and of course the one no contest. So looking to keep up the momentum with this weekend's card taking place tomorrow on Sunday Australian time at the Apex, as I mentioned. So there is gonna be the smaller octagon that does have to be taken into consideration because of course, with the fights with crowds, fight nights and such, and pay-per-views, it is the bigger octagon. So we will be taking that into consideration for this card. And in a huge main event that has a lot of impact in terms of the landscape of the division at 155, we have Lightweights, a battle of the Rafaels. Rafael Fazeev up against the grizzled veteran in Rafael Dos Andros. This is going to be an incredible main event for sure. Both guys, high level, and it's the perfect way to cap off a great card. So I'm excited to get into this one. We've got 11 fights in total, and today I'm gonna do part one. So I'm gonna split it into two, just to make it a bit easier to digest. Gonna do the preliminary card action today, and then also today uh, I'll release a separate main card podcast. So by the time the main card ones come out, You should have had time to digest my prelims picks which is what we're going to get into today so let's get started with our opening clash and that is in the bantamweight division getting us started we have the heat ronnie lawrence up against the surging side kakramanov now i've heard a lot of people say that this fight should be on the main card not worthy of the opening duties it should be a lot higher I think they're going to open with a bang. I think that's why the UFC have put these guys here. And whoever wins is sure to move up the card significantly. So we've got two emerging stars in a stacked division at Bantamweight. And this proves is a crucial fight for both men. As well as being a fantastic way to set the tone for what is to come across this entire card. For the Heat Ronnie Lawrence, he has two wins from two UFC appearances. And he is a graduate of Dana White Contender Series 2020. So he's putting all the right pieces together to impress and Ronnie Lawrence coming into this one looking to keep his uh, unbeaten record inside the UFC. His UFC debut was in February 2021 where he scored the round three TKO win over Vince Cachero and look Ronnie Lawrence he dominated that fight he had control and then he managed to wrap it up so he secured the finish which I found really impressive from the heat. And then in Ronnie's sophomore showing, he had a unanimous decision win over Mana Martinez. Now, this is not to be understated. Martinez, a very, very prevalent knockout finisher, has heavy hands for someone in the bantamweight division. And Ronnie Lawrence, up against a very tough opponent, once again got his hand raised. So a unanimous decision victory for Ronnie. And he nearly got finished in the third round as well. So he was up in the fight overall but then Marta Martinez nearly finished him, came very, very close. Ronnie was obviously rocked but he managed to just get out of that situation in time. So Ronnie Lawrence nearly got finished so we got got to see what he looks like in a vulnerable position but overall Ronnie Lawrence yet to taste defeat under the UFC banner. That was his fifth straight victory overall and Ronnie is really starting to put the right pieces together and he looks like someone who could absolutely crack the top 15 of the bantamweight division, which may may very well be the most stacked top 15 in all of the UFC. So Ronnie Lawrence, that speaks volumes about how quality he looks like he may be. And as for his opponent, Sideyukub Kakramonov, the 26-year-old made five fans take notice on his short-notice debut with a round three submission win over Traven Jones. So he wasn't even preparing for that fight, he took it on short notice, and Said Yakub not only did he get the win, but he got a submission win over Traven Jones, who is a decent level of opponent, especially with a short preparation. So, with that win, Said Yakub Kakromonov immediately became a name inside the UFC, and I think Dana White and the matchmakers have high hopes for this kid. Looks like a really quality prospect, so definitely remember the name Said Yakub Kakromonov. He had a January fight scratched up against Brian Kelleher, with COVID-related issues being the reason. That would have been a great match to see Said Yacoub tested up against someone like Kelleher, but now he is going to get that sophomore appearance that he was after inside the UFC up against, you could argue, although less experienced, a tougher opponent in Ronnie Lawrence. The winner of this fight, no doubt, starts to begin their push toward the top 15, potentially a ranked opponent or someone floating just outside the rankings as the step up next time around. Saeed Yakub looks like he could definitely be a fighter that eventually makes a run for the rankings and potentially even the title. He's young, he's got time on his side but he hasn't been tested against the likes of Ronnie Lawrence so I think this is easily the best test and biggest test of Saeed Yakub's career so far and as for Ronnie I am a big fan, I really do think he's someone that can trouble some of these bantamweights at the higher end of the scale, and ultimately I think this is the perfect way to get this card started. I'll jump onto the profiles now, a little bit of extra information on these guys if you haven't heard of them before, and I'll start with the Heat, Ronnie Lawrence. The 30 year old American trains at Sanford MMA, which is interesting, I thought he trained at American top team. So. I'll have to double-check that, but it is listed that he is at Sanford MMA, so watch this space, but both well-known and very quality gyms. So, Ronnie Lawrence, I'm pretty sure he's with Sanford, I thought American Top Team, but either way, you know that he's got the resources, the coaching, and the guys around him to really lift him to that next level. Ronnie is a grappler, so that's predominantly how he likes to win his fights. He likes to control it. He does like the action on the feet, but overall, Ronnie Lawrence, mainly known for his grappling expertise, and I think that's what he's going to try and apply in this fight. Ronnie's UFC record stands at two wins and no losses, as he looks for win number three this weekend. His opponent, Sideyakoub Kakramonov, is 26 years old, representing Uzbekistan, and his gym over at Team Oyama. Sideyakoub is also a grappler, so that leads me to believe that this is going to be a very grappling-heavy contest, although we have seen plenty of times in the past where that kind of grappler versus grappler ends up taking place on the feet, so it will be very interesting in the striking exchanges who can get the better of these two, and as far as UFC records, Side Koub has an unblemished record for the promotion with one win. As well as having no losses. So really, really quality stuff for Saidi Koub Kakramanov. One of these guys though is going to taste defeat for the first time in their UFC career. Checking out the advantages in this one. There's going to be a slight reach advantage for Kokromanov. I'm wondering whether he can utilize that and get the better of the striking exchanges as I just talked about. It it will be interesting. I think Ronnie is really going to apply the pressure with his grappling. In terms of advantages, I think Ronnie is the better grappler, whilst I think Kakromonov may be the better striker of the two. Looking at level of competition, and what I did was have a look over their last five opponents and combine the record of their last five opponents. So, for Ronnie Lawrence, his last five opponents had a combined record of 45 wins and 21 losses, with Ronnie winning all five of those contests. And what's really interesting is that for Kokromanov, he has 40, or his opponents rather, over the last five, have a record of 43, 22, and one no contest, with Saidi having four wins and one loss in that time period. But what I found really interesting is looking side-by-side at what their last five opponents' records were. Ronnie's 45-21, and for SideYakoub, 43-22, and one no contest. So, eerily similar. And I think with that being said, this is a very, very close matchup. Both guys are pretty much at exactly that same kind of point in their journey, and now one of them is going to get to get the ascendancy over the other. So, very interesting to see who is the superior out of these two talented prospects, and no doubt the winner is going to be moving on to bigger and better things in a major way. Looking at Saidi Kokramanov and his professional record overall, that stands at 9 wins and 2 losses. The key stat for Saidi is that he has 7 of his 9 wins coming by way of stoppage, so he is a fight finisher. And I, when I look at the records, I do like to point out some key statistics and how they match up against each other. So seven of nine wins were stoppages, four side Yakub Kukramanov, with three knockouts, four submissions, as well as two decisions on his resume. So very capable both on the feet and in the submission department, with submissions seemingly the way he prefers to go, but at the same time not afraid to shut someone's lights out. As for his two losses, he has one decision loss, which was back in 2018. That was under the PFL banner to Umar Nomagomedov, currently 15-0, a major prospect in the UFC. So this one was outside of the UFC, but the fact that that went to decision when Umar Nomagomedov has been destroying the guys he's come up against, well, that leads me to believe that we do have a very quality prospect in Kakramonov. And as for his second loss, it was a round three flying knee knockout loss up against Felipe Vargas. So, he does have a couple of losses. Fucking hell, sorry. <clears throat> he does have a couple of losses on his resume. Two of them, nine wins as well. With seven of those nine wins being stoppages. So, if you think Saidi yakub can get it done, look, ultimately, I do think this will go the distance. But... If you want to make some juicy cash, potentially side Yacoub to get the finish, double chance either knockout or submission, so do consider that as an option. I'll move on to Ronnie Lawrence and his overall professional record now, entering Vegas this weekend with a record standing at eight wins and only one career loss. That loss was all the way back in 2016, a unanimous decision loss up against Steve Garcia. As for Ronnie's eight wins, he has eight, uh, four sorry, by knockout slash TKO and four by decision. So not much of a submission specialist. He can get those ground and pound TKOs. Not as much of a threat on the feet. Like, I don't think that's something Saad Yacoub is going to have to worry too much about. I think it's more the grappling that's going to come into play. But looking at the eight wins, four by knockout and four decisions for Ronnie Lawrence. The finish factor in this one at bantamweight, I think it's on the lower end. I do think this is likely to go the distance. So for this one and my best bet, if you're going to have a punt on this one, I'm thinking, will the fight go the distance? Yes. Now, that doesn't specify for either fighter to win by decision. That is just for this fight to go the full 15 minutes, which I'm sure you already knew that. Anyway, and just quickly before I move on to the next part of this fight, let's have a look at what that is. So best bet odds for this one, will the fight go the distance? Yes, at $1.67. So I think that's worth looking into, $1.67 for the fight to go the distance, that is my best bet for this bantamweight showdown. It is going to be tight though. I think both guys will have some kind of finishing intent, but they both will also respect each other's skill set. Both guys remaining undefeated in the UFC. That is their goal. Neither has tasted defeat inside that octagon. And I think they're both going to look to keep it that way. So I expect a very tough contest. As far as stylistically, I do think it's going to be a battle for grappling ascendancy. And whoever can do the better job in the grappling I think they'll win over the judges. I think control is the key, which leans me toward Ronnie Lawrence. There's only going to be a finish if it presents itself, otherwise I think both of them are going to be looking to dictate the terms of the fight, and specifically the grappling. They're both quality fighters, but in the end I've got to make a prediction. I can only pick one, and in what should be a very tight opening contest, I'm going to go with the heat. Feeling a bit hot right now ronnie lawrence by decision there's something about him that look i'm not saying like this guy's gonna be a future champion i haven't quite got to that stage but i do believe this is someone who is quality enough to eventually be a ranked bantamweight and with bantamweight being one of the most stacked divisions in the ufc if not the most stacked division look that leads me to believe that anyone of that quality is a very very good fighter so while side yakub kakramonov is a very good chance of winning as well hence my best bet for the fight to go to decision i'm gonna go with the heat i'm taking ronnie lawrence by decision fight to go the distance and based on what i've seen a tko is possible but, yeah, I think these guys are the perfect test for each other. So, Ronnie Lawrence by decision over Yakub Kakramonov, And I think grappling dominance and control for Ronnie is what's going to get it done over the full 15-minute duration. So, that is my pick for the opener in the bantamweight division. Ronnie Lawrence, the heat by decision. ¶¶ on now from some of the smaller fellas onto some of the bigger fellas. We've got light heavyweight action between African Savage Kennedy in Zechiku up against Carl Baby K Roberson. Two light heavyweights coming off losses and neither in form that you would write home about. I mean, in general, I usually don't write home about form lines. I mean, if I was writing home to my parents, uh, I probably wouldn't start with. Mixed martial arts action, but still, nonetheless, if I was to start when I wrote home with mixed martial arts action, I, I, I don't think it would be either of these guys. So they're both going to be out to make a statement. I'm going to have a look at overall what's gone down. So in Zechaku, he made his UFC debut back in March 2019, where the African Savage lost in the final moments of the fight to the Scotsman, currently ranked number eight in the light heavyweight division, Paul Craig, Craig getting the submission win right at the end against Inzechikou. After that though, Kennedy really seemed to put together the right pieces, going on a run of three straight wins, starting with a December unanimous decision win over Darko Stosic, which Kennedy, he didn't look like amazing. Again, nothing to write home about in that fight, but that was the win that really started to just steady the ship and build momentum for him. But then, what really, I guess, when I really started thinking about riding home, was two straight finishes. Firstly, Kennedy stopping Carlos Ulberg, who just showed in his last fight what a beast he truly is. But Kennedy managed to put his lights out, as well as knocking out Danilo Marquez. So, all of a sudden, after that, three straight wins, and Kennedy and Zechiku were starting to make a rise up the light heavyweight ranks. That was until his momentum was brought to a halt, with two consecutive losses entering Vegas this weekend. The first of those was at the back end of 2021, with a round one knockout loss up against Da Eun Jung. Jung just like, yeah, absolutely pieced him up. Kennedy and Zechiku, hesitant, he does have that hesitancy, tesitin- fucking hell tendency to start really slow and Daun Jung just caught him perfectly. He was not in the mood to start slow and he finished that one really quickly. So after the three straight wins that really brought things to a halt for a moment for Kennedy and zechaku but he looked to bounce back up against Nikolai Negomariano back in 2022. I say that like it wasn't this year, uh, March this year. And that was a split decision loss. So I remember that. I actually picked Nega Mariano to win. Can't speak English, holy hell. Um, but that was a split decision loss for Kennedy and Zechiku, which I definitely thought it was a loss. But as someone who put my money on Nega that day, Kennedy did make me nervous at times. So I do think he's still going to be able to build on what he's done previously in his three wins. But ultimately, Kennedy in Zechiku not, not impressing me a great deal. In that fight up against Nega he was actually doctor point for repeated eye pokes, which is something I've seen in multiple in Zechiku fights. So there is something to be said that may be discipline lacking a little bit there. And hell, don't rule out some kind of no contest result in this fight. As for Carl Robeson, he is on three straight losses, so not the way he wants to be entering Vegas this weekend. Roberson winless since November 2019. So his last win all the way back at the end of 2019, and he's had back-to-back round one submission losses with Marvin Vittori and Brendan Allen getting it over him very easily. Although must be considered, Marvin Vittori, very high-level opponent, Brendan Allen, a pretty quality prospect as well. So Robeson, not the start he wanted. Back-to-back submission losses in the middleweight division. But in his last fight, he returned to light heavyweight. So he's gone up a division and hoping that maybe that can give him the better of exchanges. Maybe he can be the quicker man on the feet. But it wasn't a great start. He was seriously blitzed by Khalil Roundtree Jr., it was a round two TKO victory for Khalil, but honestly, like he destroyed Carl Robeson. It was kinda hard to watch someone get fucked up like that in terms of the finish. So for Robeson, he is coming off a brutal run of losses, and the same can be said for Nzechiku, who is still yet to really show anything of great promise, more just a mid-range UFC guy. And that was with all due respect to kennedy in zechuku although not the most respectful thing to say anyway expect a ton of urgency in this one in my opinion that makes the finish factor higher kennedy in zechuku at some point he's just got to say "fuck it starting slow isn't working out for me i need to come and push the pace just a little bit more even if i get tired i've just got to be smart with my movements will we see in Zechiku start fast i'm not sure But if his opponent in Robeson comes out and really pushes the pace, that may cause Kennedy to come out of his shell and chase that knockout finish. For this light heavyweight contest, I'm wondering who gets that vital win to steady the ship and who is going to fall into a deeper slump with, yeah, it's hard to see a way forward. Like The loser, this is hard to say, but loser may very well get cut. I'm not sure what the contractual situation is, but... That's kind of where it's at, so you've got to believe that both guys are gonna be very hungry for the victory in this one. Moving into the advantages, a significant height and reach advantage for African Savage Kennedy in Zechiku. And in my opinion, he's also gonna have the better of the striking and the grappling. I know Robeson, he's he's alright at stages in the grappling, but in Zechiku, I think. Overall, if he lives up to his potential in this fight, he should have the better of pretty much all the exchanges. Although, Carl Robeson, the more experienced fighter, so he'll definitely be coming into Vegas with a game plan to deal with African Savage, and he's had a higher level of competition as well, has Carl Robeson. So, look, ultimately, it's not the fight I'm most keen for on this card, but no doubt the more I dive into it, I'm, I'm interested and intrigued to see how it goes for both guys. There is the bounce back factor. You know, even when they've been in poor form, Like this is their livelihood. So they're going away, they're working on their deficiencies and trying to get their strengths up to where they need to be. And with that being said, let's hope both guys present the best versions of themselves in this fight. With Kennedy and Zechiku, in my opinion, due an explosive win, Whereas Robeson, look, he's been steeled by top-level opponents. So he has kind of been tested where Nsechiku, I don't think he's been tested in that way. How that kind of plays into everything, I'm not too sure, but I did think that that was noteworthy. On to the profiles now, starting with African Savage Kennedy Nsechiku the 30-year-old representing Nigeria and fighting out of Dallas, Texas, where he trains with Fortis MMA, a gym I'm sure we're all familiar with. If you're not, they are one of the top gyms in in the country and in the world. So Fortis MMA constantly producing the goods. And as far as Kennedy's style, he is a striker. And in my opinion, he's looking for an emphatic knockout here. He's about at that stage in his career where he really needs a big win. And I don't know if decision's going to be enough to cut it. A decision win may just mean he ends up in the third or fourth fight on an apex card in the prelims. I don't think it's going to move him up the ranks that much. So for Inzechiku, I think the time is now. It's very easy for me to say from the couch. once you actually get in there and you're up against a calculated killer in Karl Robeson, well, all of a sudden, you know, it's not so easy. So I think Inzechiku really needs a knockout here, but... In saying that, it's I don't want to be too stern with anything that I couldn't do myself. Like, I couldn't just go in there and fucking press Karl Robeson and knock him out. But I, I think Nzechiku has the tools to do that. So I would like to see it from him. Not confident at all, though. The UFC record of Nzechiku stands at three wins, three losses. So he's going to hope to balance that out a little bit more on the winning side after this. As for Carl Robeson, his opponent, nicknamed Baby K, the 31 year old is from Neptune, New Jersey, representing Glory, MMA and fitness. Robeson has a kickboxing background, and he's also got quite a keen submission ability as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for a couple of submissions in this one. But in the same token, Kennedy and Zechiku, I don't know if you can wrap your arms around that man's neck. Seems like he has quite a thick neck maybe a leg lock or an arm lock, but yeah, I think whilst Roberson is a submission artist, mainly he's going to lean on his kickboxing background in this one, even if that's just looking to out-volume his opponent and impress the judges in that way. Roberson's UFC record stands at 4 and 5 going into this one, so as I said, he's in a precarious position as far as his overall career inside the promotion goes, and He absolutely needs a win here, so a loss could be very, very devastating for him, and I don't know, I really don't know where he would go. I don't know where either guys go off a loss here, so that is what makes this such an intriguing contest. Both guys will be absolutely desperate to get the win here, and stylistically, it is hard to get a read on. Neither guy in impressive form. We don't know, you know, we haven't seen a lot of great things from them, so we don't know what they're going to present in terms of a positive standpoint. And as far as the things that have been negatives in their last fight, they've obviously gone and worked on those in this camp. So stylistically, very, very hard to tell how this one's going to go. I think Kennedy is going to be cautious. He is a slow starter, but Fortis MMA are in his corner, and I think they're going to be urging him on. They really need to unleash the beast here. And with neither man in great form, this is it. This is it. Like, if they are going to do something significant in the UFC, it absolutely needs to start right now, this weekend. Right now, this weekend. That makes just enough sense, so let's keep this ship rolling. Ships don't roll, fuck. Okay, ship sailing on. Let's get to Kennedy in Zechiku and his overall professional record. Kennedy's record stands at nine wins and three losses going into this one, with his three losses including one knockout, one submission, and one decision. So there's not like a clear way to beat this guy yet, other than maybe just trying to get him tired. But as for Kennedy's wins, There is a clear path to victory for Nsechiku, six of nine wins by way of knockout or technical knockout, six knockouts and three decisions on his resume. So, Kennedy Nsechiku, that is when he is at his best, when he is trying to wrap the fight up. Not necessarily early, but just when he has that intent to actually get that stoppage finish, so... He is good at it, 6 of 9 wins by knockout, but his last win has not been since June last year. So he wants to get back in the winner's column, his last victory being that TKO over Danilo Marquez, where that was when we started to think, oh, hold on, African Savage definitely may be one to reckon with. But since then, Nzechiku hasn't been able to pick up a win. If he is to get it done here, I think he needs to really have intent for that knockout finish. He's got to be careful, though, because if he does go too hard and tire himself out, and this goes the full 15 minutes, that may be okay for round one, but then if he drops rounds two and three, he may end up getting the loss. So a lot to think about for Nsechiku going into this one. And for his opponent's professional record, Carl Roberson goes into this one with nine wins and five losses on his record. Four of five losses via submission, so that is definitely the key statistic for Robeson in terms of his losses, but Kennedy has never won by submission, so the clear kryptonite for Karl Robeson, not something I'm expecting Kennedy and Zetchiku to fully exploit, although it will be interesting. Maybe Fortis MMA are gonna try and brush him up on his submission game. Stylistically, a very interesting one. Overall, from the five losses, four submissions uh, for Karl Roberson. Brendan Allen, Marvin Vittori, Glover Teixeira, and Cesar Ferreira. So those are the four opponents that have submitted Carl Robeson. All very high-level opponents. So I would say a higher level to Kennedy and zechaku at this stage, with the greatest of respect to Kennedy. So the four submission losses, that is the main stat in terms of Robeson's losses. And he also has that one TKO loss last time out. So... He's never lost by decision. Every time Carl Roberson is lost, it has been by stoppage. That leads me to believe that Kennedy and zechaku needs to fucking put the foot down here. And again, easy to say from the comfort of my own catch. But as a fan of the UFC and as someone who thinks Nzetchiku has a lot of untapped potential, this is what I want to see. I want to see him put the foot down, although he's not going to listen to what I want to see. He's going to be listening to what his corner wants to him to do. And yeah, I, I I would probably listen to Fortis MMA over me, but just from a, a viewer's perspective, I hope he puts the foot down. Looking at Carl Robeson's record as far as his wins, he also is a fight finisher like Nzetchiku. Six finishes from Roberson's nine wins with two knockout victories, four submissions, and three decisions. But his last win, November 2019. So recent form, nothing to write home about. Six finishes from nine wins though, and in Zechiku, six of nine wins by way of knockouts. So maybe this fight, not gonna go the distance, especially given both these guys in pretty poor form. That does make it very hard to pick as far as like, who's gonna take this one out? Hard to call, but I'm gonna go with Kennedy and Zechiku by decision, interestingly enough. And whilst I do think he can put that foot down and get his opponent out of there, I just I don't have trust in either guy right now. This one's a bit of a weird one. I would stay away from it if you're putting your money on it. And whilst a knockout is very possible, I'm going to say if there is a finish, it's going to be a Kennedy and Zechiku knockout within the first two rounds. But I just don't have the trust in him yet. So I'm going to go with Kennedy and Zechiku by decision. This one, look, they're both fight finishes. It's my cat. What are you doing? What What are you doing? Anyway, both are fight finishes, but I don't know. This one, just a bit of a fucking rogue one to pick. So I'm going to take Kennedy and zechaku by decision. And as far as my best bet, I'm just going to say Zechuku head-to-head. Because as I said, there is every likelihood that this one does get stopped inside the distance. But official pick, Kennedy and zechaku by decision. Best bet, Kennedy and Zechiku head-to-head by any method. But not a lot of confidence in that one. This one's stylistically one that I'm finding very hard to get a read on. But light heavyweight action, going to be taking in Zechikou over Carl Robeson by decision. Alright, next up we've got a rapid prediction. This one put together on short notice, so... I'll just jump through this one really quickly in the featherweight division. We've got David Onama, who he's on my one to watch list. This guy is a serious prospect and the sky could be the limit for this guy. So I really do believe David Onama, one to watch. Up against Garrett Armfield, making his debut on short notice. He's been called up and this is really interesting. These guys have fought before in the past with that result going to decision. I'll have to double check exactly when that was. But Onama and Garrett Armfield have faced before. David Onama is known for his brutal knockouts, including last time out against Gabriel Benitez. I picked that one as well. I had Onama winning by knockout. I really do believe this guy is something special. And as for Garrett Armfield, well, he lost to Onama last time, but it was by decision. So he's proven that he can hang with someone who is a renowned fight finisher. Onama, plenty of finishes on the record. Just pulling it up quickly, uh, Onama with nine wins and one loss overall. That one loss being in his promotional... got to clear my throat, bloody hell. Mason Jones beat him in Onama's promotional debut. Mason Jones, a massive prospect, though. And Onama, after that, came out and absolutely blitzed Gabriel Benitez in the first round. I just genuinely believe that Onama is someone you've got to keep your eye on, so in this featherweight clash, rapid pick, I'm going to be taking David Onama by knockout. I can see it going to decision, but I'm a huge fan of Onama, I think this guy is a massive prospect to watch, so in my featherweight rapid prediction, I'm going to take David Onama by knockout over Garrett Armfield. I think he can get it done, and yeah, overall, I just think Onama is the real deal. So, taking Onama over Armfield, let's now move on to our next fight. Moving on to our, 185 pound action now. Middleweight division action between Cody Brundage up against the return of the Ultimate Fighter star, Sean Gore. We've got Gore, who was the runner-up. He didn't get to compete in the actual official finals, but he made it into the final of 29, or season 29, rather, of The Ultimate Fighter. And one note I had as well, Treshawn Gore helped Jared Kammer prepare for his recent opponent, Israel Adesanya. So... Gore has been working with very high level middleweight in Jared Cannonier, and I think that is only going to help trace Sean Gore. I am expecting a very big performance from him. Looking at the narrative, you have Cody Brundage riding a wave of momentum after gaining his first UFC win in March this year, a round 1 guillotine choke over Dalsha or Lungjiambula rather. Now that was a huge fight back. Dalsha was absolutely piecing Brundage up on the feet. There were points where I thought the fight could have been stopped, but then out of nowhere, as Brundage is just getting peppered with shots, he manages to get the fight down to the mat, wraps up the neck of Lungji on Bula, and he gets the submission victory. Now, that was a big moment. I was really surprised by that. And all of a sudden, Cody Brundage managed to announce himself to the UFC faithful. As for Trashion Gore, he is keen to bounce back from the first loss of his professional career that was a decision up against Brian Battle in February. That was the official on the unofficial rather final of the Ultimate Fighter with Gore unable to compete in the originally scheduled final. Brian Battle was the one who was crowned the middleweight winner, but these two, they had to lock horns to determine who was the true genuine winner of the Ultimate Fighter middleweight. And it was Brian Battle. He got it done by decision. He won on volume. He had more output than his opponent in gore. And Treshawn, he's going to be looking to bounce back after tasting defeat for the first time. Looking at Treshawn's Ultimate Fighter run, he started off in the quarterfinals up against Ryder Newman, who is a really complete athlete. I actually think Ryder Newman could eventually find his way into the UFC Trayshawn managed to get the unanimous decision win over him, and then he got a knockout over Gilbert Urbina, who took his spot in the Ultimate Fighter finale. But Trayshawn Gore proving that he was superior to Urbina in that contest. Unfortunately for Trayshawn, a knee injury ruled him out of the Ultimate Fighter official final. And then, when he did get his chance, he lost to Brian Battle. So. Now is the time to respond for a very young and highly promising athlete in Trey Sean Gore. As for his opponent Cody Brundage, he had a short notice loss on debut to Nick Maximov, and then that round one submission win. That has proven that Cody Brundage does have a lot of potential and he also has finishes in six of his seven career victories. So, Brundage, he knows how to get it done inside the distance and he proves as a great test for someone like Trayshawn Gore. It's going to be an extremely tough showdown. I expect both guys to be very hard to put away and whilst Trayshawn is a promising prospect, I think that Brundage is much more of a trusted entity at this point leading me to think, like, this is going to be very tough. Another hard one on this fight night card to pick. So to see who wins, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into both of them, starting with Trey Sean Gore, nicknamed Mr. Vicious. The 28-year-old is from Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, and his style is predominantly striking, loves to go for the leg kicks, is athletic enough to go for head kicks as well, and he really just wears you down. He is a powerful individual. He's gonna be really confident if the fight stays standing, and so I think Brundage is gonna to look to utilize his superior grappling in this one, although Trayshawn is gonna have the perfect team to prepare him over at American Top Team Atlanta. Trayshawn has a UFC record standing at no wins. I was gonna say one win, no wins and one loss. He was coming in talking about being a dual division champion, should have focused on winning his first fight first, but look, he's really promising. So Owen won inside the UFC, his ultimate fighter record, two wins and one loss. And overall, he has a professional record, very young in his career, of three wins and one loss, not including uh, his first two ultimate fighter wins. In terms of Trayshawn's three wins, he has one knockout, one submission, and one decision. And his one loss was that unanimous decision up against Brian Battles. So, young in his career, inexperienced, and maybe a little bit green. But the future does look bright for Treshawn Gore. It just depends, is he ready for that big step up now? Or has he still got a bit of learning to do? Well, we are going to find out as early as tomorrow. Having a look at Cody Brundage now, whose overall record stands at 7 wins and 2 losses. Brundage is 28 years old, hailing from Brighton, Michigan. And his gym is Factory X, so he's from a very quality gym himself. They are going to be coming up with a really sound game plan as to how to best deal with Treshawn Gore. And Brundage, he's a stoppage specialist as I mentioned. Doesn't like to go the distance, he's always got that intent to get the fight finished. I think that is why he was signed to the UFC, and his UFC record overall stands at one win and one loss. Looking at the wins over Brundage's career, he has three by knockout, three by submission, and one by decision, so he's well-versed wherever the fight may take him, although it does stand to be a very hard chance to finish Treshawn Gore, who is yet to be finished inside the distance. His only loss coming by way of decision, and as for losses for Brundage, he has one knockout and one decision, so never been submitted. He has been knocked out though, and I think that is Shawn Gore's best chance of earning the finish. Although this one could definitely go the full 15. On to the advantages, experience lies with Cody Brundage no doubt. Level of competition fairly even, Cody Brundage not taking on superstars in his lead up, up to the UFC. Striking, I'd have to give it to Sean Gore. Grappling to Brundage, and I think cardio goes to Brundage. If this fight does go past the 10-minute mark, I think that's where Cody Brundage stands the best chance of winning this one. But for Gore, he has over 7 centimeters in reach. I think he's going to use that discrepancy to his advantage. He's going to keep Cody Brundage at range. He's going to chop those calves with really powerful leg kicks. And he's going to come up top as well with some big shots to the head. I'm expecting him to work the body, try and get a little bit of damage everywhere. And Sean Gore, he is a powerful human being. So I think he is definitely going to use that reach advantage in his favor. And for Brundage, he's going to really have to work out exactly where his range is. And I honestly think he's going to think that his best chance is to get this fight down to the mat. So look for Brundage to kind of try and get this fight down to the mat or up against the cage. Whereas Sean Gore, I have no doubt he's going to be going for the leg kicks. He's going to be coming out with a lot more volume as well, given that that was kind of one of the reasons he lost his fight up against Brian Battles. So I think controlled chaos from both of these guys. But I ultimately expect Sean Gore to really use that reach advantage stylistically they're both going to look to dictate the pace and there could definitely be a finish i said the finish factor was high but ah like ultimately yeah this is another one that i don't have the best read on either guy where they're at overall but i'm really keen to see what trey sean gore can do i watched that whole ultimate fighter season i was really intrigued by that trying to keep an eye on get a little bit of in- inside info on these guys who were potentially gonna enter the UFC, which is what Treshawn Gore has done. I'm following his journey. I do think he can become something quite special. Not now my one to watch list at the moment. He's still got quite a way to go, but I think with experience and octagon time in that cage, I think Treshawn Gore does have potential to become a really big deal in the middleweight division. As for Brundage, he's a stern test more than a stern test he's a test that definitely has the ability to hand Treshawn Gore the first stoppage loss of his career so Gore is definitely going to have to tread carefully but overall in this middleweight one I'm going to be taking Treshawn Gore as I said I'm following his journey I do think he has a lot of raw potential and I think his team at American top team Atlanta I think they can harness that energy so I'm going Treshawn Gore with this one And look, not super confident on many of my picks in this preliminary portion. But Treshawn Gore, ultimately, I'm on that journey. I watched that Ultimate Fighter season. I feel like I know just that little bit more about him. Although I am very wary given how impressive Cody Brundage looked picking up that submission win in his last outing. So official prediction for this one. I'm taking Trayshawn Gore over Cody Brundage by decision. I think it's gonna go the full distance. I think Gore is gonna be tested like he is yet to be tested across his young career. And I think it's gonna be close, but ultimately, Treshawn Gore, I think he would have learned a thing or two up against Brian Battle. And in what should be a close fight, I've got Treshawn Gore edging out a decision victory. Best bet for this one, I've gone double chance, Treshawn Gore by knockout or decision. There's definitely the capacity for him to finish this fight, so best bet, knockout or decision, Sean Gore. And I'll be throwing that one in a multi as well. But head to head, Sean Gore and official prediction for this one, Gore by decision. So let's see how the return of the Ultimate Fighter runner-up does in this big matchup for him, biggest of his young career. And yeah, I- I'm watching him very closely, but Cody Brundage is a danger matchup. Trayshawn Gore by decision in that one. Let's now move on up the card to Women's Flyweight Division. Action. English slowly failing. Let me just recoup my English. I'll be back in a moment to get through this one. The best we ever have. This is going to be the best preview you've ever heard in your fucking life. So let's get into it. Women's Flyweight Action. Fight. We have the previously ranked Antonina Shevchenko, sister of current flyweight champion Valentina, up against a proven veteran who is always a tough challenge in Courtney Casey. I'll start with Antonio La or Antonio, whoops a daisy, Antonina La Pantera Shevchenko, 37 years old, representing Kyrgyzstan and Peru. Stylistically, Antonina is a southpaw who likes to implement a Muay Thai style. She's a kickboxer, and on the feet is where Shevchenko is most comfortable. That is evident by the fact that she trains at Tiger Muay Thai, and she has an overall UFC record standing at three wins and four losses. As for Courtney Casey, nicknamed Cast Iron, the 35-year-old American is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt with a UFC record standing at 6 and 8. But do not let that fool you. So many of those fights have been razor thin decision fights where it could have gone either way. There are heaps of fights where she lost and you could argue that she won. So. Don't be discouraged by the record in the UFC of Courtney Casey. She is a lot tougher and a lot better than her record suggests. The narrative for this one features two veterans out to test their respective skill sets in what should be a very, very close outing. Looking at Antonina Shevchenko, and she's been unable to reach the lofty heights that her younger sister, the champion of the division, has managed to do. Antonina is on a two-fight losing skid with round two submission to Andrea Lee who's currently ranked ninth that was at UFC 262 in May last year and then the loss the losses rather kept coming with a TKO loss in round two up against Australia's Casey O'Neill in October last year. so two straight losses last year now Antonina is back looking to get in the win column to kick off her 2022 campaign. Something that's definitely worth noting, whilst Antonina has lost twice in a row, the only losses in her career have come to ranked opponents. So Courtney Casey, not a ranked opponent, definitely something to take into consideration. And for both of them, it's the last chance for them to make a run for top 10 honours. So that's just my opinion, but I think it has to come here and now, making this an absolutely pivotal clash for both of them. I'll start now on Courtney Casey. As I said, so many close decision losses, but she got a unanimous decision win at the back end of last year up against Liana Jojua. I picked Courtney Casey to win by decision there. As I said, she's a really tough fighter and I thought she could get the job done. That is exactly what she did do. And now she is out to get her second straight win. This contest is a really hard one to get a read on, I feel like I've been saying that for all of these fights, but this one is another 50-50 fight, and it is difficult to pick this one with any confidence. Looking at the advantages, they're pretty much the same size. I think the grappling is gonna be in favor of Courtney Casey, whilst the striking I have no doubt will lie with Antonina. Experience goes to Courtney Casey. She's been tested at a higher level over a longer amount of time. And I think the level of competition is pretty even. So it makes a ton of sense to match these two up together at this respective point in their careers. And it's really solid stylistic matchmaking. In the flyweight division, look, there are finishes. We have seen them, but the finish factor in this one is low. I fully expect this one to go the distance. And there is a bounce back factor in play. Both of these women really need the win unless they just kind of want to collect a paycheck. If they want to make a run, if that is what they want to do and intend to do, then a win here is absolutely non-negotiable. It is very tough to call, ultra tough to call which way this, go, this one rather is going. Um, and I've had to study a lot of tape and work out exactly how I think it's going to go. But the tape didn't make it any easier to be honest. Now before I get to my official pick, I'll look at their professional records starting with Antonina Shevchenko, whose record stands at 9 wins and 4 losses. The key stat for Antonina, 5 of 9 wins by way of decision. That leads into my theory that this is not going to be a fight that is stopped within the distance. 5 of 9 victories by decision for Shevchenko with her overall wins standing at three knockouts, one submission, and five decisions. As for the losses on Antonina's resume, she has the one knockout loss to Casey O'Neill, the one submission loss to Andrea Lee, so her two stoppage losses were in her last two outings, and she's also lost twice by decision. As for Courtney Casey and her professional record, Forgot to write that down. Whoops daisy. She said a few few fights. Uh, but 10 of 19 career fights have gone to decision. So another key stat that clearly leads me to believe this is going to go the distance. And 10 of her 19 fights have gone to decision. So having a look at that one, I definitely think this is going the distance. And Courtney Casey, her overall professional record is 10 wins and 9 losses. The key statistic for Courtney, seven of her nine losses by decision, so that tips the scales in favor of Antonina. Although, as I mentioned, seven of nine losses by decision, about five or six of them were razor thin margins for Courtney. Her losses overall featured two submissions and seven decisions, so she is yet to be knocked out. All signs seem to be pointing to this one going the full 15. Another key statistic for Courtney Casey, She's had no knockout losses in 19 fights, so she's durable as anything, she can handle the heat, and she's very crafty. This one, again, I think is going to be a razor-thin decision, whichever way it goes. Another stat for Courtney Casey, 7 finishes from 10 wins. So, look, she does know how to finish a fight, 3 knockouts, 4 submissions, and 3 decisions, so... You could say if there is a finish here, that Courtney Casey's the one who's going to get it done. But with my final thoughts, I cannot split them. I think the judges are going to have a hard time splitting them. And I think they're going to have a hard time splitting themselves and pulling away from one another in terms of the fight. So I've got this being close the whole way through the full 15 minutes. And I'm going to take, with hesitancy, Antonina Shevchenko by decision. So I'm pretty confident this one's going to go to decision. Not confident at all in who's going to win. But I'm going to take Antonina Shevchenko. I think in a very close one, she can get the better of the exchanges on the feet. And I think the grappling will be close enough that the striking exchanges are what decides it. So I'm going to take Antonina Shevchenko over Courtney Casey in the women's flyweight division. And I'm taking Shevchenko to get it done by decision. In terms of my best bet, fight to go the distance, yes. That is the one I'd be going for this, for reasons you can probably tell now as you've listened to this preview. I think this one's going to decision. Best bet, fight to go the distance, yes. And overall prediction, Antonina Shevchenko to get it done by decision. Potentially even split decision, but I'm just going to go with Antonina by decision. And that leaves us with only one fight left to get into in the prelims portion. As I said, I'll be re- re- as I fucking can't say, I'll be releasing the podcast separately, so I'll get into our featured prelim in a moment and then in a couple of hours I will release the full main card preview and predictions as well. So if you've listened up to this point, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, do not forget to follow us on Instagram at not just sports report. And also follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see as soon as the main card predictions drops and it won't take too long. So if you like this one, definitely keep your eye out. But now it is time to get into the last fight on this preliminary card portion. And that is our featured prelim. So this one is said to be a hell of a lot of fun. Let's not waste any time. Let's get into it. Like contest. At Bantamweight we have the featured prelim between Ayman Zahabi and the Ultimate Fighter 29 Bantamweight winner Ricky the Dragon Tercios. Both of them out to secure their second straight win inside the UFC, only one of them is going to be able to do so though. On one side we have Ayman Zahabi, the 34 year old French Canadian snapping a two fight losing skid last time out with a round one performance of the night knockout up against Draco Rodriguez, who is no easy test. Draco is actually a very, very good fighter, but in February last year, it was a performance of the night round one knockout for Zahabi that really displayed exactly why this guy was designed to the UFC in the first place. Now Zahabi is back in action after a decent stint of inactivity, decent stint rather of inactivity so been a little while for Zahabi but now he's gonna have to come out and top his very impressive performance last time out. As for pretty Ricky, Ricky the Dragon Tercios, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I think he has all the potential in the world and he's someone when he's announced on a fight card that I am always keen to tune in and watch He won the Ultimate Fighter season 29 with a very quality run as well. The former Dana White Contender Series appearance wasn't the end all and be all. We thought at some stage Tercios was going to make his way to the UFC, and in the Ultimate Fighter, he got his run started with a unanimous decision victory over Dan the Man Argueda. Dan the Determined, he is very good himself, just been signed to the UFC. He's the LFA bantamweight champion, or was, before signing the contract. He stepped up on short notice recently, losing by decision, but showing a lot up against Damon Jackson. So, look, Dan Agueta, a decent level opponent, and Ricky Tercios, he got it done in one of the best fights of the season. Moving on to the semi-finals, and he got another unanimous decision win over Ludwig Schallinian. That was another quality contest, and Ricky Tercios, under the tutelage of Alexander Volkanovsky on that season, really, really impressed me leading into the final, where he took on fellow Team Volk member Brady Highstand. That was a split decision win for Tercios, to be crowned the Ultimate Fighter Bantamweight winner, and look, that was a highly enthralling outing. So, Ricky Tercios, I have a lot of belief in this guy, and like Sean Gorn, I am following this guy's career with a keen interest. So, Ricky Tercios, the Bantamweight Ultimate Fighter winner, 29 years old, out of Houston, Texas. And he trains at Team Alpha Male under Uriah Faber. He's got a unique fa- uh, a unique style, rather, very unorthodox and hard to study for, so I am expecting Ricky Tercios to really present some problems stylistically for Zahabi, with Tercios having a UFC record standing at one win and no losses. As for Iman Zahabi, he is 34 years old, French-Canadian, training at TriStar Gym, and he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so very credentialed both on the feet and on the mat, with a record in the UFC standing at two wins and two losses. Jumping into the advantages now, and there is a height and reach advantage for Ricky Tercios, so I believe in the striking exchanges that is gonna make it quite difficult for Zahabi to get one of his first round finishes, which he is very quality at wrapping up. So I think the height and reach will come into play for Ricky. But as far as striking and grappling, I actually think Zahabi may have the edge here. So Ricky is going to have to be very careful. This is a big test for him at this stage of his career, with Zahabi also having a higher level of competition. So this is a very close matchup, fully deserving of the featured prelim spotlight. And whilst all eyes are going to be on Ricky Tercios, this is a perfect chance for Ayman Zahabi to really steal the spotlight. With that being said though, Zahabi hasn't had the best recent form, with two losses in his last three appearances. As for Ricky, he's on a four-fight win streak, so that winning form lies with the ultimate fighter winner, and he's going to be looking to carry that over into the UFC and stretch that out to five straight wins, and immediately... The eyes are already on him, so this gives him a chance to move from that featured prelim spotlight into a main card position or onto a pay-per-view card. So this is a really big deal for the Dragon and I think Pretty Ricky is going to show up. I think this is going to be his career best performance. He just seems primed now and in that right headspace to really make a fist of his UFC run. Ricky has an overall pro record standing at 11-2 with 7 of his 11 wins coming by Decision. So, Ricky no stranger to going the distance. Not so much a fight finisher like Zahabi is known for, but he does have a couple of finishes. Three knockouts, one submission, but ultimately the key stat with Ricky is that with his wins, 7 of 11 have been by the judges' scorecards. So, if you think Ricky's going to win, Decision looks like the most likely outcome. And having a look at Ricky's two losses, He has a one round one knockout in Fury FC back in 2018. And he also lost back in the day on Dana White's contender series quite a while ago now. A unanimous decision downfall up against Boston Salmon. Over to Eamon Zahabi now, whose record stands at 8-2 entering Vegas this weekend. Key statistic for Zahabi, seven of his eight wins have been first round finishes whether that be knockout or submission, highly impressive. That first five minutes is a real point of difference and a massive danger point for Ricky Tercios. He's going to have to be very careful, and that is why the key stat in this one, Zahabi, seven of eight wins being first round finishes. So if you think Zahabi is going to get the finish and you want to go specific with your bet, then I would say go Zahabi to wrap this up in the first round. Although that is going to be a very tough ask up against the ultimate fighter winner in Tertios. Seven of eight wins in the first round for Zahabi, with five of those eight wins being first round knockouts. So he is a specialist at getting that KO in the first five minutes, with overall wins being five knockouts, two submissions, all in the first round, and one decision. So a first round finisher... No doubt about it, that is what makes this such an exciting featured prelim. Up against Tercios, more known for his decision results, but there's gonna be a sense of urgency raised given that Zahabi clearly is gonna put the pressure on from the get-go, from the very first bell until the last. So this is gonna be one hell of a featured prelim. And quickly looking at Zahabi's two losses, he's had back-to-back losses with a spinning elbow knockout to Ricardo Ramos, which was brutal, like absolutely brutal, left Zahabi pretty much lifeless, and a unanimous decision loss up against Vince Morales. So for Ayman Zahabi, he wants to get back on the horse. He really needs a good result here. And look, the finish factor is medium. I think if we see a finish, it may go to Zahabi, but stylistically, while is going to put the pressure on, I think Tercios... He's going to rise and lift given that this is the toughest test of his career. So, I expect plenty of variety between grappling, clinch work, and some boxing thrown in there as well. And watching Zahabi closely, he has the tendency to fight behind his jab, stay at range, not go for anything too huge, and really just let his jab lead the way, and build off that. So, I think this one is going to go the distance. I'm cheering on Ricky Tercios, and for that reason, in a very close fight, I'm gonna go with Ricky Tercios, I'm on the bandwagon. I am a fan after seeing him win the season and following it all very closely. So I'm gonna take Ricky Tercios over Eamon Zahabi and I think Ricky's gonna get it done by decision. So that was all the featured prelims or that was the featured prelim, but all of the preliminary card as well. Capping it off with Ricky Tercios to get the win by decision. And with that being said, now it's time to cast our minds to the main card. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully all the picks go very well. I'm not so confident about this card, but that makes me intrigued to see how it's gonna play out. So with that being said, the main card is up next. Expect that out in the next couple of hours. I'm gonna sit down and record it now. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed the prelims portion. If you did, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at notjustthesportsreport. And follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. You'll be able to see as soon as that main card podcast drops. And with that being said, I've said with that being said a couple of times, uh, but that's it. Take care and until the main card podcast, live large and prosper. Thank you.